But we're in the middle of a series called Vices and Virtues, which is a little different uh, for us. It's a little bit of a topical look at the seven deadly sins and their corresponding virtues. Uh, and just as a reminder, those seven deadly sins, there's not a text in, in scripture that lists out these seven sins, but traditionally in Christendom, it's, we've understood these vices to be uh, not the worst things that you could do, right? There are worse things than vainglory or envy or like we're gonna look at today, sloth, but they are at the root uh, of, of many of the sins that, uh, that set us back, that are vices, as we call them, um, and that, that are shaping us. You and I are always being formed. We're always being shaped, and we can be shaped by virtue, um, by kindness, and by humility, and as we'll see today, diligence, or we can be, sh- we can be shaped by vice. So last week was vainglory, and this week, uh, this morning, we're looking at the deadly sin of sloth, uh, which is just kind of fun to say, right? It hardly sounds deadly, sloth. Um, in fact, it almost sounds lazy, doesn't it, right? It's sloth. Um, fun fact, sloth is the only vice with an animal named after it. Uh, what a, it's a cute little sin, I guess. And I'm guessing some of you, some of us who may have uh, littles in the home, uh, picture this particular sloth working at the DMV. So let's watch uh, real quick. I love that his name is Flash. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and when many of us feel that, that way with her, right? I mean, it was almost painful to how slow, it, how long it took him to laugh. A slow, lazy, can't be bothered, just to hurry up already, right? That's what many of us think of uh, when we think of sloth, right? Maybe not, maybe not the movie, maybe not the animal, but this kind of behavior. And I've been tempted in each, in each one of these sermons to think, well, this one's not for me, right? I mean, I don't have an envy problem, and I, I certainly don't have a pride problem, okay? Uh, really glad we're doing this for this person over here, right? This is good. I'm glad they're going to be able to hear this sermon this week. But I've been proven wrong each week, right? These vices all have roots in my heart. Maybe you've experienced the same thing in these last three weeks. But sloth, I mean, come on. Right? Surely we can all check out on this one, right? Because, listen, we're all busy, right? We're not... We're not flash, flash, right? Uh, we're, we probably, you know, 
I've got bad news, though, for us. Um, I thought this was true for me, that I could check out this Sunday, and then I read up on the sin of sloth. I probably should have done that before I checked out, before I got too comfortable. But sloth is not just a lack of productivity. It's not just slowness or no ambition or lack of hard work, right? It's, you're not in the clear just because you're busy or you're exhausted all the time. Sloth is not just laziness, even though that's our go-to definition, and it's not totally wrong, but it's deeper than that. Sloth is laziness with what matters the most. Laziness with what matters the most, not just in, in inactivity or slowness. It's a misordering of our energy and our love. We're going to see three things from God's word this morning, Luke chapter 10, three things about sloth, and if I do this right, it'll, it'll hurt as much as it hurt me this last week. First, sloth hides best in busyness. Sloth hides best in busyness. Second, sloth avoids the better thing. And third, it's too lazy to love, which sounds fun, right? Let's dive in. Turn with me to Luke 10. Luke chapter 10, we're in verses 38 through 42. If you don't have a Bible, uh, they're in, on the back table. If you don't own a Bible, please take, take one of those with you. They are there for you uh, to grab on your way out this morning. Luke chapter 10, uh, we'll see in this story a short scene with three characters, Jesus and two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we'll start at verse 38 and read through verse 41. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And we'll stop right there. So by any classic definition, Martha is is not lazy, right? She's busy, busy cooking, busy dusting, busy arranging, busy keeping everything in order. Luke says it like this, she is distracted with much serving, and Jesus adds to it, anxious and troubled. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, which is how I live 99.9% of my life right now, it feels. And most of us don't see the problem here with Martha until Jesus points it out. If anything, we look at Mary and think, just think deep down, like, just help your sister, right? Just get up and, and do something, help her. Host Jesus in your home. Martha's, Martha, on the other hand, is a real, she's a real American hero. But Jesus rebukes her for it. Not for her busyness and certainly not for her laziness, but for her sloth. In fact, sloth hides best in busyness. That's probably helpful at this point to take a step back, define what I mean by sloth. If it's not just plain old laziness and it hides best in busyness, what is it? Now, the, the traditional word for sloth is acedia, which, which has its roots in the Greek word, which literally means lack of care or lack of love. And more specifically, uh, traditionally, as acedia has been uh, considered as a vice, it's lack of care when it comes to spiritual things. Sloth is the inner resistance to the devotional life. We think of sloth usually as physical, right? Your coworker who slacks off or your friend who just won't get off the couch to play, 
playing video games, right, or the spouse that just will not do the dishes to save their life. And believe me, we'll get there. Uh, sloth, though, is deeper, just like all the vices that we've covered so far, right? The roots are deeper than just the, f- the physical expressions of them. It's spiritual and relational at the core. It's a deep-seated apathy that doesn't care enough to do what it takes to love or be loved by God. And as a result, to love and be loved by others. And it's true, sloth may express itself in laziness, a lack of concern that just keeps someone from doing anything. But it can also come out as endless activity and busyness, which we are more likely, culturally, more likely to praise than to rebuke. I hide my sloth behind a fury of activity and busyness and distraction. And Rebecca DeYoung, uh, we keep recommending the book. Hopefully some of you have have picked it up by now called Glittering Vices. I highly recommend it. Um, She writes this, busyness and workaholism are not virtuous, but rather sloth's classic symptoms. In fact, sloth cannot be defined as laziness since slothful people often pour great physical effort and emotional energy into the difficult task of distracting themselves from the unhappiness of their real condition. Slothful people can be very busy. Many of us, DeYoung is arguing, are are not busy, busy, busy because of the demands upon us or because we're virtuous hard workers. We're actually busy. Some of us, maybe many of us, are busy distracting ourselves from how unhappy we are apart from our relationship with God. And she's right, isn't she? If I work hard, uh, I can feel successful, safe, strong. If my kids are busy, I feel like a good parent. If I check everything off my to-do list, then maybe I'm okay, and I don't need a relationship with God after all. I'm doing it. I'm making it. Because let's just be honest, relationships, good ones, good relationships take a lot of hard work. There are no shortcuts, no quick fixes, no easy paths to healthy, vibrant, flourishing relationships. That's true in our families. That's true with our friends. That's true inside our church. That's true with our God. But most of the time, uh, if you're anything like me, we prefer the distraction of busyness over the real work of loving and being loved. Now, we may complain about how busy we are, but really we choose it because we want it, not because we like being busy, but because we like being distracted. The author and philosopher uh, Peter Kreeft, he uh, is sometimes called the Blaise Pascal of our day, philosopher, he says it like this, we want to complexify our lives. I didn't know if that was a word until I read it here. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. Then he goes on. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. Luke names distraction for Martha at the core of her problem of sloth. And let me tell you this, uh, speaking from experience, we are addicted to distractions. Many of us, most of us maybe, uh, statistically it's true, have one of these little things, uh, right? A smartphone. I'm using it right now to keep a timer of how long I'm going, so you should be thankful for that. 
But we use them least, it seems, as an actual phone. Uh, maybe it's just me. I use this little device most of all, uh, as much as anything, as a distraction. Now it's productive. I use. There are good things about it. I don't want to. I'm not up here like ready to get rid of my smartphone. But it's true, right? And I just started reading a book by Tony Ranke called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, <laughs> which is a fun little punch in the gut. Um, but he says this in his chapter about distraction addiction. That's what he calls it. Perhaps most subtly, we find it easy to fall into the trap of digital distractions because in the most alluring new apps, we find a welcome escape from our truest, rawest, and most honest self-perceptions. Again, I'm not saying phones are a bad thing or that they're always distracting you. Uh, that's not my point. But we love, at least I love, staring at this little screen, um, at least in part because it will keep, keep me from looking honestly in the mirror and dealing with what's going on deep inside of my heart. And again, not all distractions are, are inherently bad, and a distraction-free life is not possible. Um, Ranky, he talks about unsanctified and sanctified distractions, like marriage, marriage being a sanctified distraction. Paul talks about it, necessarily, it necessarily uh, splits your attention, right? That's, that's inherently true in marriage. It's a distraction, and they're not all bad, but he, sit, he says we need to become better at distraction management, which I think is right. So here's the first step in the fight against distraction and sloth. And I think no one saw this coming, but I'm convinced it's where some of us have to begin taking our cue from Jesus and Martha. If you want to kill sloth, stop. Just stop. We need to be diligent in our rest. Now, of course, some of us need to get going and speed up. And trust me, we'll get there in a little bit as a, as a more classic cure to sloth and laziness. But many of us need to stop. Not just to attack the symptom of busyness, right? Not just stopping our, our activities for the sake of stopping our activities. But to get at the root of sloth, of distraction, of this resistance to caring about what's going on deep inside of us. And I'm not talking about like a rolling slot stop, right? Where you just want it to look like you're stopping, but really you don't have time uh, for that extra half second of stopping. I mean, come to a full and complete stop. And it seems counterintuitive. Most of us still think of sloth. Uh, we can't accept the definition that sloth does not equal laziness or inactivity. It sounds like an invitation to cultivate sloth inside of us. But if you're anything like Martha, you need to stop and rest. Specifically, you and I need Sabbath rest, what Thomas Aquinas calls allowing the soul to take rest in God alone. We need to maybe set down our phone for an hour or, or like power it off, which some of you just panicked a little bit when I said that. I know I, when I thought about it this week, I thought, well, I'll say it on Sunday and then maybe I'll do it this next week. Full, full confession. But honestly, real rest doesn't, doesn't just happen without diligent effort. And if sloth is at the root of your busyness, stopping to rest will be hard work. Because many of you hear that and are thinking, well, I don't have, to, I don't have time to stop. There's too much to do. People are counting on me. How will anything get done? Like Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. 
Kathleen Norris, uh, the author of a book called A CD and Me, she said this in an interview. She said, we appear to be anything but slothful, yet that is exactly what we are. She could have written this about Martha, by the way. Martha appears to be anything but slothful, yet that is exactly what she is. And we do more, we do more and care less and feel pressured to do still more. If that's you, let me ask a question that's been a diagnostic question for me this week or a list of diagnostic questions. Do you want to be close to God? Do you want, deep down, do you want a, a vibrant spiritual life? Do you want your faith in God's power and wisdom and love to increase? Do you want to become a virtuous person like what we talked about a couple weeks ago in 2 Peter 1? You're becoming virtuous people. Do you want that? And if your answers to those questions are yes, which I imagine most of you are here because that's true, but can't imagine stopping long enough to do what it takes, then that's sloth at work in your heart. Not necessarily now, but tomorrow morning when you get into your day and you cannot imagine carving out time in your schedule to stop all the busyness and sit at Jesus' feet. When that, when that wells up inside of you, that is sloth at work in your heart. And listen, I am not up here throwing stones. As, as, as one who has mastered this. If anyone ever wanted the fruit of godliness without the hard work of stopping to be with Jesus, it's me. But we must, friends, be diligent with your rest. So to recap, sloth isn't just general laziness. In fact, it hides best in busyness. It's a lazy soul, the person who doesn't really want to put in the work to grow. Sloth looks at God's transforming love and says, nah, that's too much work. It's easier to be Martha, isn't it, sometimes? Meanwhile, Mary's doing what is necessary. Look at verse 41. We'll finish this short scene here. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So here's the second thing about sloth that builds on the first, comes out of the first. Second, sloth avoids the better thing, or the best thing, or the good thing. Now listen, there's lots to do, right? Plenty to give our lives to, but Jesus says here, one thing is necessary. One, there's one thing that is the good portion that's better. Mary chooses to sit at the Lord's feet, and Jesus says she has done, she has chosen the good portion. And this is discipleship language. Mary was a disciple of Jesus, which as an aside, uh, is completely countercultural. Most, most Jewish rabbis only allowed men to sit under their teaching, to follow them as a formal disciple, apprentice, but not Jesus. Mary is following after him because he has invited her to himself to lay down her life and learn from her, learn from him. And it's precisely this kind of relationship, the sacrificial relationship that takes effort and intentionality that the slothful avoids. De Young says it like this, and this, this was key for me this week. She says, the slothful are inwardly, inwardly unwilling to be moved. Here's the kicker. They are stuck between a self they cannot bear and a self they can't bear to become. 
think that, that hits it right on the head and hit me right between the eyes. Unwilling to be moved, not because, I, not because I think that I'm in a good place, but because I just don't want to put in the work. I don't want to move. I don't really want to change. Not enough to do what it takes. Like we already said, relationships take work, right? Daily, ordinary, plain, old, hard work. Forgiveness is hard. Doing the dishes when you don't want to is hard. The slothful person wants the good relationship without the investment. They want to be healthy without putting in the time. They want to be like Jesus without sitting at his feet. And it's not like the sloth, that sloth keeps us from seeing uh, our problems. You and I may be painfully aware of our lack of spiritual growth. Sloth just won't do what it takes to make progress. Grace-fueled, spirit-empowered, right? Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. But we are, we are to be putting forth effort that leads to growth in Christ-likeness. And sloth can't bear to become a new person. It wants to be a new person now. And sometimes this looks like resignation and despair, right? I'll just never be fill in the blank. I'll never be kind. I'll never get rid of my anger problem. I'll never, I'll never shake my pride. In fact, all of these vices that we're going to cover, I'll never, my, my battle with lust will never go away. I will always want more and more and more. All of these vices that we're covering in this series, sloth is right, right at the heart of why we won't grow to be more virtuous. And sometimes it just says, why bother? I'll never be this, so why bother? Other times it looks, it looks at what we just saw in busyness, right? The escapism of a busy schedule without any time to come face-to-face with our spiritual condition and our need for change. So when sloth rises up and, and following Jesus feels too hard, don't give in. Like Mary, sit his, at his feet, even when you don't want to. So second thing, be diligent in your discipleship. Put some effort behind growing as a Christian. Work hard at following Jesus. Now, I admit, this is where sloth is really tough. The only antidote is is diligence, perseverance, work, precisely the things that sloth hates. But we must. There is nothing more important, more urgent, more worthy of our time and our energy and our full attention than our relationship with Jesus and becoming more like him. Remember back in, in week one, we looked at 2 Peter one and the hard work of becoming virtuous people. Peter said, make every effort, make every effort. Practice these things. Only practice makes virtue, right? On the, on the thousandth and one time that we practice being kind, that we practice hitting stop and resting, will we become a virtuous person. Diligent discipline, that's what we need. Not to earn grace, we can't do that, but fueled by grace. The early church fathers talk about uh, how, how the best way to fight sloth is, is with the discipline of staying put. Just stay put, which again, sounds really counterintuitive, right? What they mean is doing what you know is right even when you don't want to. In other words, diligence. 
It's when you don't feel like reading your Bible, so you, you open it up and see what God has to say to you this morning. You don't feel like praying, so you, so you go into your closet and pray. Church has gotten boring for you, right? No hands, please, on that one. Uh, but instead of drifting, instead of falling away, you step in further. The only way to attack sloth is with the rut of faithfulness. Doing what you know you should be doing, even when it feels like drudgery. The very thing that sloth resists is the very thing that you and I need to attack it right at the bud. Like Martha, we need to start by stopping. <laughs> but what, what do you do, what do you need to commit to this week with discipline to become more like Jesus? For some of you, it's saying, we're going to go to church every Sunday for the next two months. Sounds crazy, right? And self-serving. Very typical for a pastor to say that as an application point. But isn't that what Sunday is often? Hitting pause on the busyness of our life and coming to be together and gathering for worship? If we really believe this is an important part of our growth as Christians, we'll work hard at least to make it happen. I know, again, life. there are things in life that keep us from gathering together. But we ought to work at it. It ought to be a priority to gather. Or maybe you just need to say, I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier, and instead of going straight to my email inbox on my phone or going straight to Facebook and seeing what's happening or whatever it is that we often do with those first 10 minutes of our day, I'm going to instead set that aside to sit at the feet of Jesus and pray or to open up a psalm and read or to be quiet before God. Most of us don't have 10 minutes of quiet anywhere, but we need it. Desperately, we need it. We are busy with many things, so many things, but one thing, Jesus says, is necessary. And look, God wants to make you whole. He wants to transform you into the likeness of his son. To make you into the person that he created you to be. Don't, don't you want that? Don't we want that as a people? Be diligent in your discipleship and your following after Jesus one more thing about sloth. Yes, it hides in busyness. And yes, it's ultimately about laziness of the soul that sabotages our spiritual growth. But it doesn't stop there, even if that's the root. Third, sloth is too lazy to love. Too lazy to love. Sometimes it looks like a frenzy of activity and busyness and distraction. Other times it does look like plain old laziness. Apathy, not just in our walk with Jesus, but in the way that we love other people. And it destroys families and workplaces and communities, churches. It's not just a matter of laziness, it's a matter of love. The parable that Jesus tells uh, just before joining Mary and Martha illustrates this well. Just scoot up in your Bible a few verses. I'll tell it quickly, and many of you know it, but it's worth um, remembering the occasion, Jesus is asked, what must I do to have eternal life? He's asked by this lawyer, what must I do to have eternal life? And he says, well, what has God said? Right? What, what does the law say? And the man gets it right. He says, love God and love people. Love your neighbor. But he asks another question that prompts the story. He says, well, who is, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells a story about a man who is beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And two men, religious leaders, they approach the man on their way. They don't just not help him. They cross the street to avoid 
to avoid caring for him altogether, which is sloth personified. The third man, a Samaritan, armed with way better reasons to do exactly what the other two did, instead stops to help him. And not like, here's a bus pass and a granola bar, right? Help him. No, he puts him in his car and he drives him to the hospital and he gives, him his, he gives away his credit card, basically. That's what he does. He goes completely out of his way to get the man back on his feet. And Jesus concludes the story with, go and do the same. And then he arrives with Mary and Martha. Sloth keeps you from that. Sloth walks across the street, says his problems are not my problems. I've got, I mean, I've, I got a meeting in five. I got to make, you know. Sloth is too lazy to love. Friends, when we choose sloth, it may feel innocent. It's probably not going to seem as dramatic as leaving a, a guy half dead on the side of the road. It may feel innocent. But if you're becoming a slothful person, you are robbing people, the people around you. When, you, when, you watch, when we watch too much TV or get sucked into our video games or waste hours and hours and hours on Facebook or social media, when you show up late to work, your performance is just average or you're just trying to make it to the weekend or just trying to make it to retirement, or then you're in retirement and you're just spending your time sitting on your can, or you refuse to serve either here or elsewhere in our community. It's not just lazy, it's a failure to love. Your family needs you. Your neighbors need you. Your friends need you. Your church, our community, your clients, your classmates. Sloth sees the needs, the opportunities for love. Sloth sees the man on the side of the road and says, nah, it's too much work. So here's the last thing. Yes, some of us need to stop. And don't give up growing your soul, spending this time in our discipleship with Jesus. We also need to work hard for others. Be diligent in your work. The primary work God has for us is the place where he's put you. It's the work you do day in and day out, whether or not you get paid for it. The greatest opportunity for you to love your neighbor is at your work. It's not here. It's not at a soup kitchen, though I'm not, those are good things. For most of us, it's bringing your A game to work. Serving your clients and your coworkers, innovating, building stuff that lasts. It's when you're changing diapers and nobody sees it but God. Practicing diligence. That's what it is. Practice, practice, practice. Make every effort. We'll begin to see our work not simply as a collection of, of tasks, but as an opportunity to love. All of it, everywhere, all the time. Imagine if we worked like that, as an opportunity to love our neighbor. Sloth is not just laziness. It's laziness with what matters the most. So don't just live Busy spinning your wheels, but rarely moving, distracting yourself from sitting at Jesus' feet. Get busy growing, changing, transformed by God's love, and put that love to work for others. Pour yourself out for others. That's, why, that's what Jesus has done for us. It's why he came. He spent, he spent his entire life 
for you and for me. And he longs to change us with his love. He constantly works on our behalf. And he came to die for lazy, slothful people. But he rose again to turn our sloth into love, into, into diligent love for God and for others. To bring dignity and joy to our work and to our lives. This is the work that he does, and it's the work that he invites us into. And isn't that the type of people that we want to become? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we, again, that we have a space to push pause and gather for worship. Because that's by, that's by your design. You are the one who has designed us to stop and rest. But not, not just to do so for the sake of resting. But, but you, you are our refuge our safe haven, we can come to you and find our rest in you. In fact, you, inv- you invite us, you say, come to me, all you who, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. God, I pray that even as we look at Mary and Martha's example, that, that we would understand that you have invited us to the same. You've called us to yourself to find rest, and that we would be apprenticed to you and your yoke, that we become more like you, virtuous people who are shaped more and more by diligence than by sloth. I pray that would be true for us even this morning as we continue to worship together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.